So hello there and welcome to my table Firestarter Ignite, a table on the go for your delight and encouragement, filled with various delights for your soul. If you are new to this, welcome. I'm so glad that you are here. Tune in, listen, apply. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend here with me. I know you got places to go. I know you got things to discover. I know you got people to see, but here you are. And if you are returning, so glad to have you. For those of you that have not visited my website, I highly encourage you to do so. Firestarterignites.com. Head on over there and I'll see you on the other side. Hello and thank you once again for joining my table of delight, Firestarter Ignite, a podcast on the go derived from my journey of life for your delight and encouragement. I share what's on my heart as well as the journey that I'm on with those that I'm connected to. Over the next few weeks, I will be sharing a study on the book of Matthew and you too can be part of it. Join, if you have not yet, a private Facebook group, Sword Study Delight, for discussions and further details. That's facebook.com slash groups slash Sword Study Delight. Without further ado, let's get started. The book of Matthew chapter 17. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. I want us to stop here for a minute. While Jesus was on his journey, there came a time where he had to go up to the mountain and he took three of his closest companions with him. He took Peter, James, and John with him to this high mountain. And there he transfigured before them. Transfigure, transfiguration, in other words, is a transformation, as in, as in um, the process of metamorphosis. It is a marked change in appearance, character, condition, or function. We often see the transformation from a caterpillar to a butterfly, and it's kind of what is what it is representing in this particular chapter. This caterpillar had to go through a stage, go through a stage of being stuck inside a pupa. And once it stayed through the process, it was able to transform into an adult butterfly. His face shone like the sun. So we see that there was a change in his appearance and clothes became white as the light. 
when there is transfiguration happening in your life, you will see it. You will see it in your face. You will see it even in the way you dress. And there, Jesus appeared before them, Moses and Elijah. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. So God was speaking. God was speaking and acknowledging Jesus as his son. He was acknowledging Jesus as his beloved. And he has instructed his closest companion to listen to him. When disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. I would be too. Wouldn't you be terrified if this happened in front of you? But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I, I tell you, Elijah has already come. And they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. Here he was talking about John the Baptist. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at his hands. So he also foretells them his future. He tells them what's going to happen. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. Verse 14. When they came to, a, to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I pull, pull, put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy. And he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, Because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So he says, He says, Listen, Jesus, we couldn't we couldn't drive out these demons that you have just delivered this man from with the snap of your finger and I'm paraphrasing or or I'm 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 literally just um 
kind of just, I'm not even sure how to put it. And so he said, because you have so little faith, you wasn't able to do what I did. He said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain. So he basically saying that these impossible things that you will encounter, these impossible things that you will encounter, that they will be possible to you. Because of this faith that, that's inside of you. And, uh, and so he says, nothing will be impossible for you. Anything that you desire, anything that you decide to do, he says, nothing will be impossible for you. Do you have a seed of must? Uh, do you have faith as small as a mustard seed today if you don't let us ask for the holy spirit to send us this type of faith let us ask the holy spirit to increase our faith if we do have faith but not completely activated let us continually seek out the will and purpose of god and continue to walk this path that he has created for us when they came together in Galilee, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day, he says, They will kill him, and on the third day, he will be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. They were sorrowful. They, they were filled with despair. And sadness. Because they didn't want their friend to go through this. They didn't want their friend to experience this. But that was his purpose. And he had to go through it. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum. The collectors of the two Drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon, he said? From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my text and yours. What can we learn from this particular passage? What is what is what is the author trying to portray in this particular passage? Jesus was speaking mysteries that were beyond their understanding. But it wasn't the time for him to do that which others wouldn't understand. So he said, 
but so that we may not cause any offense, let us do as they say. And so he sent, he sent Peter to the lake to catch a fish. And that fish particularly had this gold coin in its mouth. Because God's in control of everything. And so he said, take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. So it was very, very valuable coin. And, and so I hope that you have been blessed by this particular chapter. I surely have been. Continue to study the Word of God whenever you have the time. Continue to examine the Scriptures. Continue to be encouraged. And have a blessed day. God bless and take care. I want to take us to the next parable in the book of Matthew, which is not really considered as a parable, but it has the same type of analogies as parables do. I want to take you to the book of Matthew chapter 18. And here we see the disciples and Jesus having a conversation. Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Chapter 18, verse 1 through 9. Yes, 1 through 9. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? To be considered the greatest is to be the most important or to be uh, the most valued or to be the most um, highly esteemed in the kingdom. He called a little child to him and placed a child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like these little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and whoever welcomes one such a, such whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me we'll go a little further but let us stop and examine what jesus just said he takes a little child and illustrates a point to the disciples what does that speak? It's a parable. Jesus is conveying a message, a spiritual message to the listener. What is the purpose of the analogy? What is the purpose of a parable? Is that seeing they may not may not see, hearing they may not hear. Who are they? They, the unbelievers, they who doubt, they who do not fully believe in the kingdom of heaven. Seeing but never perceiving. Hearing but never understanding. In order, in order for us to understand and hear, we must become like little children. We must become like those little children that Jesus is using as an analogy. 
in the parable. We must change and become like little children. Little children are innocent. Little children are patient. Little children are gentle. Little children are kind. What does that say? What does this say when we, when we are listening to all the qualifications or all, all, all the character traits? It says that we must become loving. We must show the fruit of the Spirit. Kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, love, joy, peace. Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, to change you must turn around in your actions. To change you must turn around from that which is bad to that which is good. You must turn around completely. Not continue doing what you're doing and then on top of it be as a little child. No, you must continue completely turn around. You must completely turn around. Repent. Repent. Change and become like little children. Or you will never see the kingdom of heaven. Not just see, but enter the kingdom of heaven. To enter, you must be like a little child. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Greatest. Most important. Most esteemed. Most honored. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Children, they still do not know everything. Children are looking up to their mother and father and learning from them. Children, they humble themselves before their father and their mother. Children still don't have everything figured out yet. We must become like little children to enter into the kingdom of heaven. We cannot act like we know it all. We cannot act like we already got everything figured out because to enter this kingdom, we must be like these little children. And let, let us go a little bit further. And God spoke to me on this particular subject. If anyone causes one of these little ones those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. Be careful in your actions. Be careful in your attitude. Be careful in your words. Be careful. Because these little children are highly esteemed in God's sight. Because these little children, spiritually little children, are important to God. And if you cause these little ones to stumble because of you, it would be better for you 
to have a large millstone hog around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. It is not a pleasant, not a pleasant moment for that, for that person. Let us not be. Let us not be the offenders. Let us not be the offenders. Father, forgive us if we ever offended or caused any of these little ones to stumble. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us if we cause one of these little ones to stumble. Father God, we ask your forgiveness. We, do not know, we did not know any better, but now that we do, Father, help us to receive your truth. And help us to always look at our actions. Help us to always examine our words and our behavior towards these little ones. And we have to be careful how we speak to our children. We have to be very careful how we speak to them and how we discipline them. A lot of times as a parent, we want to discipline them in rage. But that is not how we should discipline our children. We should discipline them in love. Having no rage or anger inside of us. We must discipline them in love. We must teach them in love too. We must be careful. We must be careful. Woe to the person through whom they come. Those are little prophets. Those are little leaders. Those are preachers that you are raising. You got to be careful how you talk to them. You got to be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Be kind to them. Raise them up in the Lord. These are God's little prophets. These are God's little evangelists. Be careful how you talk to them. Be careful with your actions. And if your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. This is an analogy. This is not a little saying. This is an analogy, an illustration, a spiritual illustration. If your authority is causing you to stumble, then humble yourself. Humble yourself as a little child. Humble yourself as a little child. If pride is causing you to stumble, then humble yourself as a little child. Whatever it is that's causing you to stumble, humble yourself in that area. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands and two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. It is better. And if your eye, eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. This is very, very, very important. This is very important. This is very important that we pay attention to these words and that we apply them to our lives. We can't just be reading them like a little story, like a little parable that Jesus told us. We have to make sure, make sure that we align with what God is saying. We align what Jesus was saying. We align and apply it to our lives. If anything causes you to sin, anything is causing you to stumble, anything that's causing you to, to, to be tempted, 
Set it far from you. Set it far from you. If television is causing you to stumble, turn it off. If internet is causing you to stumble, turn it off. If people are causing you to stumble, draw yourself away from them. Whatever it is, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly. Be careful. Be careful. You don't want to be thrown into the hell of fire where there is gnashing of teeth. You don't want to be thrown into the fire. Eternal destiny. Fire. You don't want to be in a place that is eternal fire. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, turn around in your actions. Don't continue doing what you're doing. Repent, continue. Don't continue to do what you're doing um, in this world, but turn around in your action. Turn around in your behavior. Turn around in, in the words that you speak. Turn around. Ask the Lord to, to forgive you. Ask the Lord to, to give you another chance. Perhaps... You're not, you, you, you continually sinning because you continually, continually pleasure yourself without asking God for forgiveness. You've got to ask God for forgiveness. Lord, I knew better, but I didn't do it. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. And if I, even, if I didn't know it, forgive me too, Lord. Become like a little child. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. And I sinned against you and you alone. David says, forgive me for I have sinned against you and you alone. Cleanse me with hyssop. Make me whiter than snow. Make me whiter than snow right at this minute, Father. Anything in my heart that is displeasing in your sight, Father God, I ask that you cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Set it far from me, Father God. Ask, I'm asking you right now, Father God, that you look upon me with compassion, Father God. And that you forgive me. And that you forgive me of all my wrongdoings. Of all my wrong actions. Of all my wrong attitudes. And wrong words that I have said. Or even imagined. Father God, help me. Help me to become more humble. Help me to become as a little child. Help me to become as a little child. In Jesus' powerful name, I pray. Amen and amen. And this concludes the parable of who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Parable of the wandering sheep. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. Remember when we spoke about the little ones in the beginning of the chapter, the little ones, the children. He says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep 
and one of them wanders away. Will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go back and look for one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier than one sheep, about that one sheep, than the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Who are these little ones? The children of the Most High God. The ones who have been lost. The one who has been misguided, abandoned, mistreated. These are the ones that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the sheep who are, who are going to follow anyone who looks like a leader, who is going to, who's going to follow anyone who could feed them, who's going to follow anyone that can protect them. They're easily misguided. They're easily misled, deceived, manipulated. These are the sheep that he's talking about. And suppose a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them seems to wander off. Maybe that one sheep seemed to wander off because it was seeking the treasures and pleasures of the world. Will he not leave the 99 and go back and get that one that wandered off? A good father would. A good shepherd would. A good shepherd will leave the 99 and go and get that one that wandered off. And if he finds that one that wandered off, because oftentimes maybe he won't be able to find it, the wolves may, may, may get to it. Maybe it would wander far, far away. It says, if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. That one sheep is precious to him. That one sheep that wandered off is valuable to him. All of them are valuable, but that one that wandered off is just as important as those who are with him. And he will leave them and go and find that one. The Father, our Heavenly Father, is not willing that any of these little ones should perish, but have everlasting life. And this concludes the parable of the wandering sheep or the lost sheep. God bless and take care. Dealing with sin in the church. Verse 15, chapter 18 of the book of Matthew. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. 
Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Powerful passages De dealing with uh, those that sin or offend in in the midst of a community or a gathering. And these are instructions that Jesus is giving to the disciples. And so he's saying, if you know someone that sins against you, he might have been disputing and all of a sudden has an issue with you. It says, go back to him and try to reconcile with him. But if he doesn't listen to you, take another witness with you or two and speak to him so that you may, you may bring him over to your side or you may bring peace or, um, or you may try to reason with them. But if they refuse to listen, then uh, it says, basically, dust your feet and keep it moving. And so that is where Jesus gives us instructions as well as the key to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever we lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. To bind is to tie it up. To bind something is like a you take a cord and you try to bind it. And to lose something is to try to unbind those knots that, that have been created. And so this is the instructions concerning concerning those that concerning matters that are on earth and giving authority to the church or giving authority to the believers to bind and, and lose on earth and it will be decided in heaven and it's one of my favorite scriptures, matter of fact. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Basically, whatever you do on the earth is going to be agreed upon in heaven. And uh, it even says, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. It's a principle of king of the kingdom, principle of the kingdom. For where two or three gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. It's a principle of heaven, and uh, we have the authority to bind and loose things on the earth, and it shall be so in heaven. I hope this has blessed you. And um, inspired you. And so let us t stay tuned for the next section. 
Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy times seven. So Peter, one of his closest disciples, comes to Jesus and he inquires Jesus of this matter concerning forgiveness. He says, how many times should I forgive my brother? How many times should I forgive my sister? And uh, he was looking for a number, but Jesus didn't give him a number. He said, I tell you, not seven, not the, the, the number that you're giving me, but, but seven times that number. So like if you're saying seven times, it's seven times that number. Basically, many times. And so he gives him a parable in verse 22. 23, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to set, as he began the settlement, a man who owned him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At, that, at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owned him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancel all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have, have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. It's a very uh, powerful parable concerning forgiveness. And we see that one of these servants owed so much money. And so he pleaded to forgive. He pleaded to cancel his debt. And so his master did cancel his debt. But he goes and uh, treats his servant a different way. Master forgave the debts because of compassion. But the wicked servant forced him to pay. He forced his other servant to pay. He didn't have compassion on his servant just as his master did. The master forgave the servant and in return, the servant was not compassionate. And so the moral of this parable is that Heavenly Father will also forgive you if you forgive those who trespass against you. If you forgive those who have done you wrong. 
And so I hope that this particular chapter has been a blessing to you. Stay tuned for the next one. God bless and take care.